This is the Future X Podcast, episode 14. In every episode of the show, we interview a platform designer, author, or publisher. They'll talk about building their community online and engaging their audiences in ways that are welcoming and safe. Now, here's your host, Lee Schneider. Welcome to the Future X Podcast, everyone. In today's episode, you'll meet Karen Gershowitz, author of Travel Mania, Stories of Wanderlust. In a pursuit of a passion for travel, Karen has lost and gained friends and made a radical career change, and as we might hear in a moment, maybe even another. She has visited remote areas of Indonesia on her own and become a translator, although originally only fluent in English. We'll hear about some of her memories with people she met around the world. Now, when Karen started promoting her book, she had a few hundred Facebook friends and about 500 or so LinkedIn connections. And now those numbers are in the thousands. She'll tell us how she developed her online audience and sustains it. And we'll also learn a little bit about her next book and how she plans to promote that one online. So, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Why did you start writing this book about travel? Well, as you said, I've been a traveler for a very long time, and it is my primary passion in life. I... I during well, I'm going to go back for a little bit, but during um, COVID, I get I got crazed when I couldn't travel, mm, I bet. and I've been writing a travel journal. My mother got me into it when I was oh maybe eight years old, and she said you're going to want to remember all of this, and so I wrote. And they the ones from when I were eight or nine are pretty funny, but she really got me into the habit of doing it. And as a result of that, I have travel journals that go back a very long time. And I I, I started just writing stories because I have so many of them. You travel enough and you do get to become a storyteller. Um, so I started putting them together and took writing classes and just for the fun of it. And then people kept saying to me, you've got a book here. You really have a book here. And I decided, okay, I can do this. And when COVID came around, it, that became my the thing I was going to do. And I got it out during COVID. So it came out July of 2021. Um, and then I had so much fun writing that one and had so much interaction with readers that I started a second book, which is now going to come out in October. And it just was sort of an organic thing that Okay, I, I have a lot of material here. They say travel broadens the mind. But what is it about travel that is has been for you so compelling? I am somebody who is extremely curious. And I love the new. So mm -hmm. to me, going somewhere that I've never been before fills a lot of void in me or a lot of... I love to learn about other cultures. It's something that I, I almost can't describe the feeling of going somewhere and realizing it's totally different in almost every way. There's certain fundamentals that you also learn, that no matter where you go around the world, it doesn't make any difference. People fundamentally want the same thing. They want to be comfortable. They want to have enough to eat, to live. They want their children to have a good life. Um, but beyond that, how they define that and how they get to that is very different. And I often travel on my own because that's the way you really meet people. 
um, I you mentioned that I switched careers, and I did that because I wanted to see the business world in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I start I I started out as a ceramicist, which is kind of a weird background, and um, realized that was never going to pay for the kind of travel that I wanted, and so I fell into marketing, um, which turned out to be something that I loved and I was good at and, and worked in marketing research and marketing strategy. But I worked internationally. And so I got to be not just to see things as a tourist, but also as somebody very involved in a certain part of the culture. And I'm, I'm going to say one other piece, which mm-hmm. is from the marketing research, I learned how to ask questions in a way that people were very comfortable with. And so I could get into a conversation with anyone about anything. And that helps. Sure. I bet it does. Yeah. Asking a good question, just like on podcasts, is a real skill. You know, there's also something about traveling where you're just dropped down into another country, often with another language, and you have to kind of dig into yourself in a way that you wouldn't normally. I remember my first trip to Italy, I had practiced a lot of Italian before I went, got off the plane, all the Italian jumped out of my head. I was like, and I I literally had to kind of reach down and make the words come out to communicate with people. And by the end of that trip, I was pretty fluent. But there was something happening in me, the sort of fear or the adrenaline or the something that, that pushed me a little bit farther outside myself and made me see myself a little bit more. Is that resonating with you? Is it? Is it? Is that kind of like the feeling? Yes, but not about language, because I am unfortunately fluent only in English, and um, I learned at a young age that I could manage without it, and so I've managed without it. Um, hmm. But what I do find is that I connect with people in other ways, and shared passions things that I love. Um, if, you, if, if I go to a country, I always take cooking classes. I always, and taking a cooking class with other people and somebody who knows what they're doing is one of the most incredible ways to learn about a culture because people bond over food. And I'm more likely to bond over food than other things. Um, I also do things like... You know, wander into neighborhoods. I love taking a bus to the end of the line or, t- or just getting off when there's something interesting or taking a subway or whatever the transportation is and not having a tourist attraction there to go look at or see or do, but just to get a sense of what the place is like. And you sit in a cafe and, and I always make it a point to read a book in English and it Anybody who speaks English will come over to say hello. It's one of the most amazing things. Often students, particularly if you go to near a university and they want to practice. That's right. If they want to practice, they want to practice. As a result of that, I've gotten invited to dinner. I've had people take me on tours. I've connected with people in all kinds of ways just by sitting and reading a book in English. Segging a bit to the the promotion, social media, marketing, and all of that. I think part of what makes a book like yours successful with so many people is that it is about the inner journey as well as the outer journey. 
you know, we could we could read guidebooks that tell us the cheapest restaurant or the best flight, but this is different. Do you think that that internal journey of yours had something to do with the way people have connected with it? And has that been at all a part of the social media you've used to build around the book? Absolutely. I, um, I think of the book as a travel memoir. So it's not just travel, and it's certainly not just memoir. And I think of myself as a pretty ordinary person. I, I have not done anything extraordinary. But, that's, I shouldn't say but, and people relate to that. Because I'm not extraordinary. And if I can do it and do all of these bizarre trips and, and discover things that are not in the guidebooks and go to places, and it does make me go inside and think about, huh, what does that mean for me? There's a story in the book um, that certainly talks about that in terms of my, I was on a, on a business trip interviewing people who were the spouses of expats and how they dealt with being in another culture that they didn't understand, couldn't speak the language. And it made me start thinking about my grandparents who had come over from Europe and it really put them into perspective and what their life was like. And I would write about these things, not just in the book, but I have been writing for the past seven years now, I think, an essay every single day, very short essay, 100 words, every single day on Facebook, which then gets tra I then transfer onto um, Instagram and onto LinkedIn. And it's on, you know, some of it's on uh, Twitter. I move it around, but I do it every single day. Whatever happens to be around, whatever I'm looking about, whatever I'm thinking about, if I can do it in a travel perspective, I do. And people are really interested. I have people who are such loyal followers. It, it amazes me. Um, I, if I say I'm going to a place, I immediately have invitations for lunch, dinner, breakfast. People have had me stay at their home, which has floored me. And it's almost at this point, certainly all over the U.S., but also in Europe. I have people who are following me in Europe. And wow. it has become this community. I mean, gen genuinely, and they talk with each other. You know, you look in the comments, and and this one saying, hey, "Well, I went there, and I didn't like, I didn't think that at all. I thought this," and then somebody else arguing with them. And it's it's the consistency and the fact that it's very personal. Yeah, I would say, trying to play this back in my mind, many people are complaining now that Facebook isn't letting their stuff be seen by many people. Uh, now, I'm assuming that maybe you got in before the algorithm changed or maybe what you're writing is personal enough uh, and there's a strong community there because what you're saying is very different from a, yes. what a lot of more businessy, like if someone's just trying to promote a business book or a startup book or something like that, it's pretty much a disaster yes. on to build a community now on Facebook. Well, but you're having a very different experience. And I also have a little trick. I joined a slew of travel groups on Facebook. Probably at the beginning, I probably 
did 25. Wow. And again, I was not promoting. I was just writing whatever I wrote on my typical Facebook page, which was about something to do with travel. And I'm a good photographer. That's the other piece of it. I'm a very good photographer. And so I always put photos up. And sometimes it would be about something I did yesterday, sometimes about something I did 20 years ago. And I put it up on all of the groups as well. And when people on the groups responded, not with a like, but with a comment, I would invite them onto my personal page or my author page. And I was astounded. Probably half the people I invite join. Hmm. And you want to quickly get to a lot of people, that's how you do it. But you got to get to the right groups. Of the 25 groups, now I only go on to about 10 of them. And my criteria were that it was a big enough group and it was an active enough group. So that there were a lot of people posting and a lot of people responding to the posts. And again, would it work if I put it on a, I don't know, a foodie one? Maybe. Maybe. And I might do that for the next book because there's a lot about food in it. And so I can do excerpts about food. Um, but I can't promote the book directly on any of the groups because I'll get kicked out. But I don't. Right. I do mention that I'm an author, but I very subtly. Right. Very subtly. Right. Yeah, this is a skill that I think more of us need to develop where, or you've just found a way to be in this place that works perfectly between your personal stories, the book is personal stories, and people are just interested in travel and cultures in a way of someone who's, here's someone who's taking a risk, you know, here's someone, you, who's trying something that maybe they've always wanted to try. So it's it's interesting how it's intersecting in a, and working for for you in a way that's not always working for others. Yeah, I mean, people. I mean, in the last, and I do travel a lot. In the last couple of months, I've been to um, South America and Antarctica, Disney World with my family, <laughs> and then Arkansas on my own. And you know, if that isn't a range of trips, I don't yeah. know what is. And people were following along and saying, thank you for taking me on these virtual journeys. I feel like I've been there. Or, oh, that sounds so interesting. I must go there. That's now gotten onto my list. Hmm. And so I'm connecting in some way where I'm telling, they feel like they know me. I mean, you don't just invite people to go have dinner with you if they put up a post about their book. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, this doesn't feel like a chore for you. It doesn't, it feels like something you would do anyway. It feels like yeah. something that you like doing. And I think there's, Absolutely. A, there's a key to that as well, that it's not like, oh no, I gotta think of something else to post. This is so hard. You would do it anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love to write. I just think it's great fun. And the 100 words thing came out of a writing assignment in a writing workshop I took seven years ago. And I thought it was the best assignment ever. He gave us a topic, said, you write 100 words. Can't be less than 97, more than 103. Go. And the idea behind it is, is that you have to very carefully think. And he said, it has to be a story with a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. 
And that's a very difficult thing to do. At the beginning, it probably took me 45 minutes to write 100 words. My writing improved significantly from doing that over a long period of time. Um, initially, the people in the workshop were exchanging them, and then everybody dropped off. And I said, no, I really like this, but I have to put it somewhere where I'm going to get some kind of response to it, because otherwise I won't keep going. And at that point, it was friends, family, people I knew. It was not a lot of people. And I immediately started getting responses because it was short and it was easy. And I didn't even have photos at the beginning. Then I started adding photos and the numbers started to grow. People would tell people, you got you to gotta read this or they would, you know, they would share it with other people. And that started to grow. And then once I knew I was going to be getting the book out there, I started getting really serious about it. But I just think it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like my writing assignment in the morning. First thing I do when I get up, walk the dog, write the hundred words. Yeah. And it's become a habit. And so you're right. It's not, it's not a difficult thing to do. And, and I'm going to be really honest here. I have a virtual assistant who moves it around for me onto the other platforms. Yeah. I was going to, that I don't want to do. Yeah, I was going to ask because... Look, uh, we all try to be good at everything, and that'll, in the world, online world, that'll quickly get you crazy, trying to post to every single platform or what's the best one. And if you had to work it down to just one or two platforms, what has been best for you? What's worked best? Oh, Facebook and LinkedIn. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, and because of LinkedIn, I've gotten connected to a lot of people in the travel world, um, which has been really terrific because I get invited to all kinds of things that I would not have been invited to um, related to travel. Mm -hmm. So that that's become, you know, so that's one piece of it. And again, if you really love to travel, you want to know what's going on in the travel world. Right. And that's my connection. And And the Facebook is because that's where the travelers who connect with me, you know, I'm not looking for Gen X. That's not my audience. And I'm very clear on the fact that that is not my audience. Mm. Um, you know, the people who really connect with me tend to be 40 and over. If someone were promoting a book, what advice would you have for them to grow their audience and create a community around that book? The very first thing that you have to do, and I'm speaking as a marketer here and with a lot of experience, is understand who your readership is going to be. Because if you don't understand who your readership is going to be, you can do everything right and have it be wrong. And I had to figure out for myself who my readership was. When I said before, over 40, that was, that was clear to me very quickly. The other piece of it was, okay, let's talk about other demographics and psychographics and behaviors. In my case, it was easy because I knew it was people who traveled or who were armchair travelers. But that's not always the case. And the other piece about the traveling is that it had to be someone who was not a, if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium. <laughs> because that's not what this is. And I needed to make that very clear to people that that's not what this is. And as you said before, it's not a guidebook. It's not a go here, do this. Um, 
And so I had to had to understand that what was going to attract people was exactly what was in the book, a combination of who I am and giving them information. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true for anybody who wants to build an audience. If you can't connect on those two levels, if you're just giving information, unless it is a very narrow audience with a very specific issue, um, it's going to be difficult to, to to keep them interested. Yeah. And if you're just talking about the personal, people get bored with it. It has to be that combination of putting yourself into it. And I had to really learn to do that. I've been in writing groups for years and they would always say, you're writing too much about the place and not about yourself. Uh-huh. What were you feeling? What were you thinking as you were there? What was the experience like for you as opposed to telling me how gorgeous the place is? And it took a long time to really get it so that there was always that combination. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. I think they emphasize one over the other. And you really need to strike the right balance and you need to be talking to the right audience. I think that's very good advice. Thank you for that. I think a lot of people have trouble seeing themselves and seeing their own writing. And this is where early readers come in and are really valuable. They've been extremely valuable to me. You have this book or it's close to being ready or you have an early proof copy and the hardest thing in the world is to write that back jacket promo blurb that's much harder than writing the book. So it really, you need other people, I found, to read it or at least read part of it. And, and I'd have to ask them, well, what'd you get? What'd you remember about it? What is it about to you? What did it say to you? Forgetting about me for the moment. What, what was received? And then seeing if they could bring back something that I could later use. Because it's so hard to see into yourself and to know what, oh, yeah. what the book really is to people. Well, it was with the first book and then again with the new book. Um, when I started to get blurbs for the book, I was sort of astounded because all of the blurbs focused on the same thing. And it was not the thing that I thought they were going to focus on. And it was about me mm. and not about the travel. Uh-huh. And I was really surprised because I thought they're going to be fascinated by all these really interesting places. And what they were interested in was, yes, they were interested in the places, but they were interested in the fact that I had gone there and what my experiences were there. Right. And also as a solo traveler, right, that's a big difference because you're, you know, you're getting a direct experience and taking a risk where the group traveler is not. Right. That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. I do think in the biggest possible way, it was learning the lesson from a writing group. And I've been in a writing group for a long time where they would read a chapter and come back to me and go, too much, too much place, not enough person. Yeah. Too much person, not enough place. And helping me to strike the right balance. Yeah. Yeah. In your case, that has been the magic secret sauce. Absolutely. 
That has been the thing. And I don't think that's always the case because people are writing all different kinds of books. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could have a, a, when you pick up a guidebook, you want a guidebook. That's it. You know, when you want just pure personal reflection, that's something else. But you're striking the balance. If you had to rank what was most effective in building a community, where would you put we know Facebook and LinkedIn are probably at the top. Where would you put podcasts or what a publicist could do or, you know, what's the most effective? If I, if I had time and money to spend, where should I right. spend it? Um, I did have a publicist uh, who my timing for the first book was unbelievable. It was just as the pandemic was allowing people to travel and there was uh, huge pent up demand. And I had a very good publicist who got me onto, I don't know, 20 TV shows. Na um, not national, but I was, you know, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, and, you know, on, on major networks um, doing segments. I was on, wrote articles for half the world. I got a mention in the New York Post and the New York Times. I mean, she was incredible. Mm. Um, but it was also the timing. And that I couldn't control. I don't know what's going to happen with the next book. My timing isn't as good, except that the 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 when I was thinking about getting blurbs for the second book, I talked spoke to the publicist who said, "Here's a list of people. I guarantee they'll write a blurb for you." And she was right; they did. And so, you know, I know I've got some repeat places to go, um, but but that was extremely helpful. Again, timing plays a lot into it and you can't control that yeah um and i spent a lot of time looking for the pr person really a lot of time and interviewing them because mm -hmm. what i didn't want was a canned something that was canned mm -hmm. i want somebody who was going to be a partner to me i'm a marketer and i know what i'm talking about and so the combination of having a marketer and a pr person helped a lot there's so much to think about when people cross over media like when you're promoting in a reading environment, people are likely to get the book. When you're promoting on, say, a talk show or television, the sheer numbers of people that you're reaching almost guarantees that a percentage are going to be readers and going to pick up the book. Exactly. But, but with podcasting, as fun as this is, and I'm doing a bunch of these as an interviewer and a guest, we don't know really whether people are listening to this and watching this are going to be readers and are going to make that leap. You just yeah. don't know that. I don't know. And I've been on travel podcasts. I've been on book podcasts. I've been on um, ones about women who are, you know, adventurous and you know, all kinds of things. I'm willing to try anything. Um, but I don't honestly know what the impact is. I have no right. way of measuring it. And That's as a market true. researcher, you know, it's like mm -hmm. I'm throwing something out there, but I have no way of, of knowing. Right. So tell us about your your next book, title, timing. Yeah, well, the next book is currently I am supposed to be getting the first layout. It has been proofed. It has been everything else. It is called Wanderlust, Extraordinary People, Quirky Places, and Curious Cuisine. Um, so basically, people, places, and food. Yeah. And um, the, that one 
actually came about because I had readers through the community say, oh, I love when you write about food and people that you've met. And I knew places, you know, really unusual places. And I've been to some really unusual places. People are curious about because they know they're never going to go there. <laughs> um, there's a story in there about going to Andamooka, Australia, which is an opal mining town in the middle of nowhere. Then I flew in on a four-seater plane, um, stayed the night. It has a population of 20. And mm. so that had to be a story. It just had to be a story. Right. But there's also a lot of, you know, just it, – it was really in response to, to readers talking about that they loved the stories that I wrote about about people and food. Yeah, what people may not think enough about is once you build a community for uh, your genre and you as an author, it, it hangs around. It's not an evergreen forever and ever, but it's – pretty good evergreen in the sense that your next book benefits from all the work and the time and the effort and the money that you put into the first book. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't even said anywhere that I have a second, well, I've said I have a second book coming out, but I have not started to, to promote it in any way with the community. Mm -hmm. And yet I've had people say to me, I already pre-ordered it on Amazon. Hmm. Terrific. Without my saying, go order the book on, on Amazon. Now, I don't even know how many pre-orders there are, but I know for a fact that there are because people have told me that they've done it. And somebody said, oh, you mean I can get, yeah, I can pre-order it, you know, in the community. Yeah. So then a whole bunch more people are doing it. So, yes, I've really developed a community there. There's no, you know, that, that I don't question. Yeah. And I know that they'll be supportive. I know I'd be remiss if I didn't ask what the numbers were, knowing that numbers don't really matter. It's engagement. You know, you could have 200 people who love you, and that right. might be enough. And you could have a million followers and blips and things, and but if only a few people are responding, so what? Right. So what, what does that number universe look like for you? Currently, I have 2,600 people on Facebook, which doesn't sound like it's a huge number, but they are very active yeah. and very engaged. When I was in Antarctica, um, which was a month ago, I was getting 150 comments a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So people were really involved. And, you know, I just was in Arkansas. Not the same level of interest, but getting 25, 30 comments a day. Mm. Yeah. And that's fairly typical. And it's not always the same people. Right, right, yes. So you know, I, some names I recognize because they show up all the time, and then there's, a, and then I know that there's a whole lot of people who are reading it and not commenting. And how I know this is they're people I know who say I go on every every morning because I know that's when you post and I read it, but have never put a comment, <laughs> have never even right. put a like for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's a fairly large group of people. I mean, I'll start talking to a friend and they'll say, oh, you were, and I haven't seen them in, you know, three months. Oh, yeah, you've been in the here, there, wherever. You know, that was really interesting. You got to tell me more about it. It's like, you followed me? Oh, yeah, I read every post. Yeah. So the numbers don't exactly say. 
I also have an author page that's got another, and they're not duplicative. Some of them are, but not most of it. And that's got about a thousand. Mm -hmm. And then I have all these groups. And the groups, one of the groups has 25,000 people. And I know that. And before I got on here, I was invited to be on their editorial board. So clearly, you know, and I'm now writing for them, getting paid to write for them, because they were so intrigued by the posts I was putting. Well, again, it comes down to this every single day, the habit building on your part and habit building on the part of the reader viewer is a very powerful thing. Yeah. I think if I did it only occasionally, it wouldn't work. So speaking of brevity, we're we're reaching our uh, end of our time here. Is there anything else that we should talk about? One of the things that has been very helpful, um, we were talking about podcasts, is getting podcasters as allies. Mm-hmm. I connected with somebody who I had no idea at the time was on his podcast, has become a very big deal in the travel world. And he's become a friend. And he has introduced me to numerous people that have been extremely helpful to me in a lot of ways. And that connection, which I could never have known, but it's one of the reasons that I will go on you know, podcasts that I really don't know very well, is that you can make connections. You also learn a lot, but you can, you can really make connections that are surprising in lots of ways. So it's worth it for that, if nothing else. That's good. Also, wise words. The connections and the what are called weak ties between people can get you a lot of mileage and yeah. can also be fun. And they're fun. Well, Karen, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. It has been fun. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it, too. Thanks for joining us on the Future X Podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or anywhere fine podcasts appear in your feed. For more info about Future X, visit futurex.studio.